It is. It just is. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I don't get it. How do they do it? I don't know, but this is why I love it. So. I'm glad you agree. Oh my god, I've never I don't think I've ever talked this passionately about anything in my entire life. Hey there, and welcome to Reaching Out with Michael Constable. I'm your host Michael, and Reaching Out is a podcast on a mission to make coming out easier through story sharing. Welcome back everybody. I am coming at you live from a recording studio, a podcast recording studio in Mexico City. I've just started using this for the last couple interviews I've done, and honestly, it has re-energized me in a way that I didn't know was possible. It's like we have squishy walls and everything, the that like squishy soundproof foam, and I have one of those mics that's like, you know, built into the desk and swings, and it's <laughs> it's honestly the most official that I've felt this entire time. Uh, so I've been really excited. It's been really giving me a lot of momentum uh, with this podcast. And I am so happy about where the podcast is at right now, to be honest, too. I feel like we're we're honestly just making so much progress in, in some of the recent interviews that I've had, some of the interviews that are coming up and some of the guests that I'm going to have on during Pride Month. Um, it's really just been, it's been really great lately. And I'm, I thank you all for, for tuning in and listening week after week. I'm also really excited about something that I have cooking that is a way to get listeners involved in the weekly episodes without them having to be a full-on guest. And so stay tuned for that. I will give you a little bit of a teaser. It has to do with what I refer to as rainbow flags. And if you are unfamiliar with the concept of rainbow flags, and at least in the sense that I use them, um, I have an episode previously that talks about all of my rainbow flags. And so go check that out. For me personally, I only have about three weeks, actually three weeks to the day left in Mexico City. I've somehow been here for over two months and it's been so incredible and so fun. Um, this is my favorite place in the world and I am I came here for three months and now I can't believe it's already coming to a close in a little bit. Like it just seems this, I don't know how that time went by so fast, but um Man, I'm just going to try to enjoy it. Um, though I do, I am really excited about plans afterwards. I'm actually going to go visit my sister in Lisbon. I haven't seen my sister since pre-COVID and she's been living in Lisbon for most of quarantine. So I'm going to, going to go see her there. Um, and something that I'm super excited about is I'm also going to spend a little bit of time. I'm going to spend some time in Europe in general over there, but, um, I'm excited because I, well, at first I was really sad because I am missing like San Francisco pride. I'm missing, uh, Mexico City pride because they're later in June and I'm leaving, leaving on the 12th. But I'm thrilled that I'm going to be able to experience what I, I think I'm going to be able to experience Lisbon Pride and Madrid Pride. So I will say that I have missed like having a queer gay community like I had in San Francisco because it was just so like constant in my life back there. Um, and I just, you know, I haven't had time to develop those sort of connections and relationships here yet. Um, at least in the same way, but I'm so excited to be able to go, you know, I'm so excited for pride month. I'm so excited to be able to experience pride in these cities that I've been to before, but like I, I've never been out in either of these cities since I've been there. I've spent quite a bit of time in Lisbon and a little bit of time in Madrid. And, um, I've, I haven't been out though. So I'm really excited to go back to them with, 
looking at it through a new lens, a new rainbow colored lens, I guess you could say. And um, I'm really crossing my fingers. So like all of a sudden I'm like a huge Eurovision fan and I just watched it for the first time like two weekends ago. And they're my favorite performer of the entire competition who I feel like got, a, I don't want to say she got robbed, but she at least should have been in second place. Her name was Chanel and her song Slow Mo has been on repeat in my brain and my headphones for the last two weeks. Um, I really hope she's going to be performing somewhere at Madrid Pride and I will be the happiest boy in the world. Now, onto our episode this week. We have a very special episode that has been in the works for a long, long time featuring a dear friend of mine, Aisha Khan. Aisha and I met in the past year or so during COVID and I instantly knew two things after our first introductions. One, I needed her to be my friend immediately and two, I needed to have her on the podcast. Both ended up happening, luckily, but not without a little bit of effort. No, I didn't need to have to work to have her be my friend. That happened pretty seamlessly. It was getting her on the podcast that required what I endearingly referred to as homework, much to Aisha's chagrin. When we started talking about queer life and coming out, we talked about queer content and how much better and more available it is now, highlighted in Aisha's opinion by Sex Education on Netflix. I had only seen one season a few years back, and so she issued an ultimatum of sorts. In order for her to be a guest on my podcast, I had to finish season two and three. It took a while for me to get the momentum to start such a daunting undertaking because like two seasons of 45 minute episodes, that's like, that's a lot. But almost immediately after I did, I was beyond hooked and I could instantly see why Aisha wanted me to do this. What ensued was a few weeks of me obsessively texting, voice noting, and sending photos on my TV screen paused at key moments to Aisha. I was obsessed. The way that the show combines amazing storytelling, lovable characters, character growth, and actual sex education is truly, truly remarkable. I kind of think of the sex education part of sex education as like, you know, when you feed your dog a pill and you wrap it in cheese or like dip it in peanut butter to, so they don't understand what, you know, they're getting this benefit. I kind of feel like that's what happens with this show is they kind of wrap actual sex education in just a very entertaining and lovable show. And you don't even realize that what well, you don't even realize what they're doing. We go into a few examples of that in the, in the episode. We knew that we were going to talk about sex education in our episode, but we didn't know that one, we would accidentally dive into talking about sex education in thorough detail right away, and two, that it would warrant its own separate episode because that's how long we talked about it. And so that's what this episode is. We got so excited after all the buildup that I even forgot to have Aisha introduce herself. Whoopsies. This episode is us discussing the importance and brilliance of sex education, the TV show, and how amazing it is that educational queer content like, well, that's hard to say, queer content like this exists. And we only lament a teensy bit that it wasn't available to us growing up. Next week, we'll properly let Aisha introduce herself and share her story. Until then, enjoy. Aisha Khan, it is so good to finally have you uh, on the podcast. I could not be more excited to have you on here and join us and share your story with us. Thank you so much me for coming. Me too. Thank you for having me. Finally. <laughs> I know. Finally. And so I think we need to give the listeners some context to how we got to this to this moment, this joyous moment, because um, this has been in the works for a while and I... I well actually let's begin where it all let's start where it all began. Back, I think we met like a couple I don't even know, like a couple months ago maybe. I think so. I think it was at if not probably the at Mary's first house, time, I'm guessing. <laughs> yes, I was gonna say if not the first time, then what sticks out in my memory is her housewarming. Um was 
the first time. So that, and that was a while ago now. Yeah. So Aisha, just to give some context to the listeners, Aisha and I have a mutual bestie named Mary and she, um, she is the host of many of our get togethers. And so Aisha and I crossed paths at one of them, um, relatively recently, I would say, um, like in the, yeah, I think the housewarming, that sounds about right. Like probably like within the last year for sure. And then, um, we hit it off. And then I remember, I think it was actually Mary was hosting my birthday this year and we reconnected (laughs) and we got into like some really deep conversations and um, we started talking about the podcast because obviously I can't have a conversation with anybody without bringing that up because I'm (laughs) that annoying podcast guy now, I guess. (laughs) And, uh, And we started chatting and I just was so, I'm so drawn to you as a person. And when we started talking about your story um, started talking about my story. Like we just got into these really deep conversations and I was like, I need to have Aisha on my podcast. Like I absolutely need to have her. Um, I think you, you just, I don't know something about the way you're just so inviting and warm and the way you described your story to me, I was like, like perfect guest, like ideal, perfect (laughs) guest. Um, and I think like very like resonating story too. Like, I think it's, you know, I think your story from what, um, you've told me already is just like, I think it's going to be amazing for people to hear. And, um, I think people will really benefit from it. Um, but then you gave me a little challenge in order for you to be on here. Do you want to explain, explain the challenge? I did. Well, to set some context there. So yeah, we, we had, we had sort of the beginning of the conversations about your podcast, which I was super excited to hear about um, at Mary's house. And then um, another moment that sticks out in my mind was probably a couple of months ago when um, we, (laughs) we were all at a bar and we ended up going into this rabbit hole of like deep life conversation, (laughs) which I just love. And, and that's when we really started talking about, you know, our experiences and our backgrounds. And, um, and then I mentioned Sex Education, the TV show, the TV series on Netflix, which I'm obsessed with. And part of the reason for, for that is because I just think it's one of the most genuine, authentic pieces of content today in terms of, um, just being so relevant to the high school experience, but also the queer experience and what high schoolers are dealing with and, and maybe not comfortable dealing with, but seeing something on TV today that is just so, again, so authentic. And, um, I think is, could, could help, um, younger kids today and really understanding and navigating, um, coming out and being queer and the whole spectrum of what that looks like in in a really normalized sort of way. And so I just, I really hold it on a pedestal. And so was shocked to hear that you had tried to watch it, I think, but like couldn't get into it. And so I think I went on a tangent about how you need to do that. Before we have a conversation, before we go any further. Yes, this is so true. And I think at that point, I had seen season one, but it was like, back, I think when it first was out. So this was probably years ago. And I, I had tried to watch season two. I've tried to watch season two several times, but the first, and I think I've understood, I think I understand now why I I tried maybe three times and failed to make it through the first episode. And I think it was because Otis is just like jacking off for the first like 15 minutes of the first episode. And I just like, for some reason, I just like, couldn't, I'm just like, this is too much. I I couldn't. I couldn't get past it. Like, what um, is this? <laughs> I know. I'm like, and like, I, I've seen it. So like, I know that's an ama- it was an amazing show. But for some reason, that was like, 
I was just like, I can't just like keep watching this kid jerk off. Like it's just, <laughs> I could, so I couldn't make it through season ep- episode one. Um, but then recently, so we, then we've had this, you had this, you gave me this homework and like, I, you know, I've wanted you to be on here for a long time. So I was like, I have to do it. It's just a matter of time. And then finally I went back to San Francisco for a wedding, maybe like, um, uh, uh, almost a month ago, a couple weeks ago. And on the way back, I downloaded like four of the episodes for the flight on my phone. And then I find I had nothing, literally nothing else to do. So I watched it. And then by the time I like was landed, I, I by the time we landed, I took an Uber back to my place and I picked up on episode five. <laughs> like, um, I, was, I was officially hooked. And then um, I just finished season three, I think this past, like within the last week, I think maybe this weekend. Um, and I instantly was like, we're doing this. Let's go, Aisha. <laughs> yes. And that's the funny thing. I mean, I just, I was obsessed. So the minute the season, the new season would drop, I, you know, I, I would basically binge watch it. Um, but, um, but I, I love the stories and I love each season so much that I, in my mind, I was thinking it's not homework, you know, <laughs> I know <laughs> this is it was just homework content. because I needed, it was homework because I needed to get it done in order to get, get you on here. So it, true. It was an endearing. It was an endearing term of homework. True, um, but then w- then we did it, and here we are. We did it, and you like just for just so the listeners know. When, once I was in it, I was so in it that I was voice noting, texting, like quintuple texting Aisha, my live reactions. I was sending her photos of parts of the show that were important to me. I even like like season two. I was like sobbing my eyes out at certain parts, like. The way that they handle so many really difficult, challenging, heavy themes, but they handle it so beautifully and so well. I like I I was specifically this one with the character named Amy that um, isn't even related to to it's not even like a queer theme, but they it's just like a really heavy subject. And man, I was I was crying like a little baby. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, and and I think that's exactly. I think. Um, but that's what the beautiful thing. See, we're already doing it. We're going down the rabbit hole of, of queer content. Um, but that's the, what I love that I'm seeing more of now is that, is that it's not just so the world uh, in which they all live and in the UK, I don't know the, the town, but it's that, you know, they are learning about their sexuality. They're having all these life experiences, but that's just one aspect of all of these different stories and all these different experiences. And, and, but that's the beauty of the show and some content that I'm seeing now is that queer stories are just part of it. They're not weird. They're not, you know, things that make you pause and go, Oh my God, look at that. It's, it's actually just part of the fabric of society to be queer is to be normal is to be part of a community. Um, I think Schitt's Creek did a, a great job in doing that as well. And that was obviously what Dan Levy, um, intended is that, you know, in creating his storyline or just his queerness, it was just, it just existed. It just was, and it wasn't anything that caused any ripples or stirs. And he didn't want to call attention to that. Um, and he created this world where it was like, no, this is a normal part of society and completely accepted. And here's what it can look like. And I think sex education did a great job of that too. Yeah, Schitt's Creek was a great one too. And I, 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 one thing that you mentioned kind of about, you know, how the queer stories are just, they just happen to be in it. It's not like a huge thing. I think the, one of the things that stood out to me the most 
in terms of sex education in that was the story arc of Ola and mm. how she's yep. dating Otis. There's no really like hint about her being queer. There's no, you know, and you know, until the end of her and Otis and then her and Otis break up. And then all of a sudden she just starts dating Lily. And it's like, there's no, there's nothing, there's no like drama around it. It's just, it just happens. And they, it's very fluid. And she just goes from dating Otis a man to dating Lily, a female. And it, it's, it, it's just so easy. And it, or, you know, they make it look so easy and they don't even draw mm-hmm. like a lot of attention to it. No one has a huge reaction. Her dad doesn't have a huge reaction. Otis doesn't even have a huge reaction to it. It's just, it just is. And it's normal and it's you know, exactly. relatively smooth. And like, obviously, exactly. I mean, there is some, you know, Lily had a little bit of a pause with it, but, um, but it just happened and it was just so yep. natural and normal and not, a big thing. And it was just so cool how they did that. And, um, I think the normalization of all, like of everything in this show, all these different topics was the thing that's one of the things that stood out the most to me was everything was just so normal for everybody. Yeah. I completely agree. I love that you mentioned that because as a bi plus pan person myself, um, that's one of the moments it is like, I get so emotional, but then like, a a joyous way. I'm not going to cry about it. Yeah. But um, <laughs> that's one of those moments that obviously really resonated with me because because of exactly that, where <laughs> there are two specific moments where one, she's she's taking a test to assess like, what how, what kind of queer on the spectrum are you yeah. with Adam there? And she's just, I mean, just takes the test and goes, oh, I guess I'm, I don't remember if she says bi or pansexual. She's like, oh, well, that makes sense. And then that's it. That's all it and is. That's, that's it. all it has to be. And then Adam's, I think he says like, I, I'm pa- something about being pansexual but i don't like pans like it's just (laughs) it's so perfect and it's so you know seamless yes that's another one but um and then and then yeah and then exactly when when otis learns of that all is dating lily she basically says oh yeah you know i'm dating lily now to him and he's like okay then that's yeah, it. that's the, that's the exchange, and it and that's <laughs> nothing, it. nothing like dramatic comes from it. It's like, damn, that's awesome. Um, and, and I think and that it, to me, oops, sorry, that to no, me, you're good. basically just I, I think again going back to you know our experiences growing up and um and sort of what content I'm seeing today. I'm hoping that you know if if there are young kids that see something like that, that just makes it so much more. Um, uh, you know, uh, so much less fear inducing and to see an example of someone coming into their own and coming to terms with their sexuality in a very simple, you know, easy sort of way. Um, and I love to see it. I love to see it for, you know, future generations for sure. Yeah. I think that's a good point. It's like, you know, I think with a lot of the shows that we grew up with that had, um, queer characters in it, you know, usually they're the ones getting bullied. Um, and I think there, you know, there, there's some of that in this where I think like Adam, when Adam, he's like yep. the tough guy who, you know, finally, once him and Eric start dating, spoiler alert, um, you know, there, he gets some flack for it, but even the flack that Adam gets from it is pretty minimal, but compared to like a lot of the bullying, I feel like in, in, for queer characters in a lot of shows that we grew up with. Um, and so like, yeah, when you're, when you're, I have to imagine when you're a child and the queer representation that you're seeing is of people getting bullied and harassed and, you know, obviously like, like very tough life, you know, that's going to make you a little bit 
more, you know, it's not going to help you come out. It's not going to make it feel like safer to come out. Not to say that just because sex education has like a very accepting, you know, viewpoint of this for these characters that that means what it's going to be like for that. That's what it means. Like, that's what it means. It's going to be like for everybody else. That's right. not necessarily the case because everyone's situation is different. There's different levels of safety depending on where you're at and your environment. But um, and at least I think at the very least, I think it m- might help, you know, help people watching to come to terms with it and realize that um, it shouldn't be something that, um, you know, they should be ashamed of or anything like that. So um, absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to also mention that I didn't want to minimize the, you know, the experiences of other folks or, you know, I of course acknowledge that this is a very idealistic yeah. lens um, and, and way of, of, you know, showing the queer experience, um, which doesn't always happen. And, and I, and I, you know, and I understand that. Um, but I'm, I love to see it so that it does offer a little bit more of a hopeful and optimistic view and, and lens. And also I think for, um, which is, you know, (laughs) we're, (laughs) I'm just going to keep going. What, what like an Ellen, it does and a will and grace did is that it also um makes it very approachable for other people that might not understand what you know what gay people are like and making yeah, making it too. very um, normal and approachable which you know we can probably go on a tangent about that whole thing but but i do appreciate seeing other versions of what queer life looks like um which is great yeah, that is a good point. I think it is a it's a really good also a good uh medium for people who who might not have queer people in their life to see and to normalize it for them too. I think that is a really good another great thing that this show does. So like Aisha, I'm curious, like do you have any what are some of your favorite moments that stick out to you from the show? Oh, there are so many. Um oh gosh. So so I love Ala and Lily's relationship for sure. Um yeah. it's it's just navigating a cute queer relationship in high school together. Um, I love Lily is facing a medical challenge of vaginismus, which is a real thing, by the way. And, and, and them trying to navigate having sex while also, you know, she's being really supportive. Um, it's just so precious. So I love, I love that. I mean, there's so many storylines. I love, um, and we should have said this a long time ago, but spoiler alerts for anyone that hasn't seen sex, sex education, you can probably move past this part and <laughs> highly recommend you watch it. It's a fantastic show. Um, but <clears throat> in season, well, season two leading into season three, but Eric's story arc in really, actually both of them in season two really coming into his own as a, a gay man and really leaning into his expression of self and and he's just I mean he is a beautiful character a beautiful actor um and just seeing how he really becomes comfortable with who he is in a very um sort of unabashed way um the conversation he has with his father right before the dance when he gets ready and he just looks so stunning um and then and then, you know, and then the relationship with Adam, which is, of course, an important moment. But I think in the second season, Eric has been sort of a controversial character for a lot of people after season three because, spoiler alert, he he sort of cheats 
on on his boyfriend. Um, but you also see, in my mind, I, I I like to see both sides of the coin. And you know, Eric had done the work to get to a really um, open and an authentic place. And in being with Adam, it was sort of he was compromising a lot of himself because Adam wasn't ready yeah. to be fully out and. And I think Eric just came to terms with the fact that we're just both in different places in our queer journey and that's okay, but it, you know, we're not at the same place together and, you know, that I don't want to push you, but I also don't want to go back into the closet or I don't want to regress in my own journey. And that was so beautiful as well. Shit. That one was really, that one really hit home because that is such a realistic experience like and i've i feel like i've felt that from from um adam's point of view i there there have been times where i've you know been i don't want to use like the word relationship it sounds a little bit too extreme but for what some of them were but you know i having come out a little bit later it was like i felt like i was the adam in a lot of cases where i was still learning and at a slower pace than the people who had been out already and like, so that, that plot line specifically really hit home. I was like, shit, I, I understand Eric. And like, I want Eric to go spread his wings because he is, you know, those scenes in the beginning of some episodes where he's just like putting on makeup in his room and like putting on these like gorgeous, I don't even know, like outfits and just dancing around to like fun pop music. It was just like, yes. And then Adam, then him and Adam start dating and he kind of just becomes like a duller version of himself mm-hmm. because for a brief period, because of that, because he, you know, Adam's just like not at that same level yet. Um, and then, so like, I totally like, I want both of them to be happy. And I, I felt so bad for Adam when Eric, you know, when Eric like, you know, had to ended things at the end of season three, but I, I get it. And it's such a hard situation. It's like, you know, they're on just different pages and different points in their journey. So that one really, yes. that one really hit home. Um, and then the only other two I'll call out just because <laughs> there's just so many to talk about. And honestly, I, I could do a, probably a podcast alone about <laughs> sex education, but let's do um, it. <laughs> right. Um, our, our, what was the introduction of a non-binary character, Cal. Yes. Which Cal. Cal is huge. Cal is amazing. I loved their character arc and just the, just the breath of life that, that Cal brought to the show. And then the it's it's a small, small storyline within it, but it's where the other non-binary student asks Cal for help um trying to figure out an alternative for binding and Cal helps this uh, character I whose name I can't remember um fit an actual healthy binder for themselves and it's the most I mean I cry every time it's one of the most beautiful moments and part of it is because of uh, it, it hits it hits home right my we'll get into this but one of uh my ex-partners um also struggled with that kind of you know identity crisis and figuring out how you know how to present and how to hide and um so that was just that really hit home and then um oh gosh what was the last one oh oh a big one is amy's um storyline around Ugh. being um sexually harassed on the bus and i think I mean, just there's so many, there's so many parts to that. And I really just, instead of going into it, I almost feel like just watch it, just watch the show. But 
Also, um, sex education, you should sponsor us because we will, we will talk about you all day, but, um, but, but also we need to talk about Amy. We need to talk uh, about Amy. Okay. So, and, and just I'll let you start it, but basically, cause it's so fresh in your mind, but also not just what happens, but, um, the aftermath and how they treat some, you know, someone who has been sexually abused or sexually harassed and that, and that journey of it manifests for a long time. Trauma is real. And, you know, it, it, it sort of answers so many questions in terms of why didn't this person say anything? Why is this person still having, you know, issues with it after the fact? And they do a really genuine, authentic job of demonstrating how it, how it looks and how it could look for, you know, for years to come, which I was just thought was fantastic. Seriously, this and this was the scene that I was talking about before where I was in season two, I think it's episode seven. I was sitting here by myself on my couch just watching it. And that is when I was like sending you so many screenshots. I was taking videos. I was texting you. You were ugly text. crying. <laughs> I was like, seriously, it was so fucking well done in it. I guess for context of people who don't care about spoilers and won't watch this or something, don't or just don't care if it's <laughs> what happens. <laughs> Amy gets sexually harassed on a bus and you know, her immediate, her immediate reaction is to kind of play it off, like downplay it, minimize it, make it not a big deal. But luckily she has um, a good friend, Maeve, who I think Maeve is actually, she might be like my favorite character. I think Maeve, I love her so much. I know her. She's a little complex, but I absolutely love her. Um, and Maeve, it was Maeve's birthday and Maeve is like, we need to go to the police. And Amy's like, no, it's your birthday. What do you want to do for your birthday? And she's like, I want to go to the police and report this for you. Um, and so she takes her to the, to the police station. And then, um, you know, there's not, it didn't feel like much was going to be done about it. It kind of felt really sad. Like, how are they going to find him? Like, she couldn't remember some of the details, like some of the very specifics that the, that the cop was asking her. Um, and so it kind of felt like nothing was going to really happen from it. And it was like almost Well, a we don't sad. get a lot of resolution, which I also think is very, is very genuine to a lot of, you know, a lot of um, sexual abuse victim stories. I appreciated that, that she, she continues to downplay it at the police station and the female police officer at the front says, this is a big deal. This is important. And, and really validates that why they're, they're there. But yes, um, then, then, you know, we did, we never really know what happens if this person gets caught or whatnot, but then we follow Amy's story. But then we follow Amy's story and I'm probably skipping a few parts, but essentially it culminates. Well, in- there's one part where, sorry, but there's one part really quick. There's right at, it's in that same episode when the incident happens and she keeps downplaying it. She's Amy as a, her personality and her character is very lighthearted um, and things aren't a big deal. And, Anyway, so she gets home and after the incident, she gets dropped off and her mom says, are you okay? What happened to your pants? Because she's not wearing the same pants anymore. And anyway, she she goes and takes a shower and she's in her room by herself and she starts to cry. And it's so sad and so heartbreaking. And you see that it actually did you know, affect her deeply. And that's the beginning of her, her trauma experience. And also it affects her ability to be intimate or physical with her boyfriend as well for the rest of the show that we see. And so like that's happening and her boyfriend's really confused because like her boyfriend seems like a really nice guy too, but like she can't even like hug him. Like, and, she, and it's hard for her to really explain. I don't even know if she's explained what happened to her at, to him at this point yet. I think in season two, we, 
we can infer that she's she's expressed what had happened, but again, in terms of how she's processing it in her own mind and body, um, she, I don't think she's able to really communicate that that's happening. And so, yeah, she just starts to like draw away from him. Um, and he's very supportive and sweet, but, but yes, I mean, they're not intimate anymore and she's just really starting to, to withdraw for a long time. Yeah. Until therapy, which shout out to therapy. Oh yeah. Then she starts going and see, seeing Otis's mom for therapy and that is really helpful for her and then i mean i'm I'm probably skipping a couple of parts here but then a bunch of the girls in this grade end up kind of like um the breakfast club style yep. they're like kind of in detention um and th- these girls are, are coming from like very different friend groups they're some of them aren't even friends at all there's like, like a mean so, you know, popular some, girl there's like the mean girl yeah the, like, like some nerdy, nerdy girls. girls like there's just like all the whole gamut of of high school students but they're all like some of the more main characters in the show, um, which there are just a lot of characters in the show. Um, but in the, the teacher basically told them because a mean girls like incident happened where, uh, you know, professor, um, jeans book, her, like her book that she writes, um, notes in got, um, scanned and plastered all over the school. There's like this mean girls scene where everyone's going crazy. <laughs> Um, and then these girls end up in, in detention, uh, breakfast club style, and they have to like come up with something that they all have in common and they feel like they're never going to get out because they, none of them have anything in common and they don't want to lie about it until I think it's Amy that brings up what happened to her. And then all of a sudden, all of these girls start bringing up things that happened to them. And so they, there's an escalation point where two of the girls are fighting and their fighting is making Amy really uncomfortable. And I think it's just, again, that, that internalized trauma. And so she says, you know, stop fighting about a stupid boy. And she's crying. And Maeve, her best friend goes, you know, Amy, why are you crying? And she says, because I can't get on the stupid bus. And that's part of the story. We sort of miss that part, but she can't get on the bus anymore because she's scared and she's traumatized. And so you know, she's crying. She says she can't get on the bus. And the reason why is, of course, she was, you know, sexually harassed on the bus. And then that starts the conversation with all of the other girls about it's basically a me too moment where something like that happened to me, something like that happened to me at the local pool. Now I can't go to the pool. Something happened to me when I was walking home. And my dad had, you know, the guy started walking away when my dad came to the front door of my house. And that pissed me off because. I shouldn't have to have a man protect me in order for me to feel safe. And so, I mean, it was just this beautiful moment of, you know, solidarity, but also through, you know, it's bittersweet because it's all women have experienced something like this. And uh, these stories are amazing. <laughs> so yeah, then some, girl gra- uh, some, and some guy grabbed Olivia's chest, yep. uh, like out the of the popular nowhere. girl. Was- yeah. Even the popular girl, you know, she, she dealt with something and now she's uncomfortable on trains. And so they end up having this this point of commonality, um, which leads to the bus scene, which I'll let you talk about. <laughs> which leads to so and like I should just mention, Amy would go to the bus stop after the incident, and she just wouldn't be able to get on, and she would like wa- end up walking to school. However, then the next the next day, I guess I'm assuming it's the next day, she ends up walking to the bus, and at first she just sees Maeve sitting there at the bus station, which like she normally wouldn't be at, and she goes, "What are you doing here?" And Maeve goes. I'm taking the bus. And then she goes, we're all taking the bus. And then it pans to the rest of the girls that were in the breakfast club. 
and they're all there smiling, they, like turn around and are just there to support her. And are like, it is like truly <laughs> the most beautiful thing I've ever seen on television. And I tell, I, this is when I started crying. And then the bus pulls up and like, again, this is, these are girls that like are not friends, not especially all. like I was thinking, I was, I was, I was really looking at a photo from that scene. And like, I remember seeing like the popular girl there, Simone Ashley and, I was like, wait, I forgot. That was really sweet because she's kind of like – she's so mean the entire show. She's like kind of one of the meanest people. But she still went and it was really – and so that, that kind of like remade it special in my mind again. I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot. Like she was – They are all there. Like they the all meanest, show up. The meanest person. And they all show up and then um, there's a moment where all the girls get on the bus and Amy's the last one and the bus driver is like, are you coming or not? And Maeve's like, give her a second. And then Maeve's like, it's just a bus. Just a stupid bus. Yeah, it's just a stupid bus. And then Amy, I think, repeats that and then gets on. And then the scene or the episode ends with this scene of all like six of them or something like that in the back. Sitting together. Sitting together. And then Maeve and Amy are holding hands and they exchange this look. And then Amy looks looks ahead and is just like her. You can just tell she's just overcome with emotion. And Amy took back the fucking (laughs) bus. (laughs) She did. It's honestly, Uh, honestly, one of the most beautiful. And there's a lot of people that feel the same. There's so many articles that were written about (laughs) about how this was such an important moment and why it it is, you know, it, it was so authentic. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, I think it was based on the experience of one of the writers or someone that's part of the production. Um, oh wow, I didn't know that. Which you know, just again speaks to the greater point that this is not a ubiquitous this or this is ubiquitous that this happens to so many women and and it's just unfortunate um and actually that ends on a high note but in season 3 um amy starts driving and there it's just a really you if you don't listen closely you don't catch it but she basically says my mom thinks i'm not safe on the bus or it's safer for me to be in a car which is questionable because amy <laughs> is a questionable driver but but speaks to the continued situation, right? And then season three, she's also going to therapy for it. But, you know, yeah. it, it's it's something that trauma, you know, carries for a long time. And uh, and yeah. it's just, there's so many things that they touch on that are so relevant um, for people, not just, you know, the queer community, but wow, they touch on so many things in such a genuine way. Yeah, and um, also just... To speak on continued trauma, even though there is this like beautiful moment on the bus with all these girls, she still can't, she still has issues uh, being physical with her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Like she still is not Mm -hmm. over that. So it like to your point, I think you, and I think it's a really great one you made is like, it shows how much this lingers and it's, it's not just, you know, even, and I like the, in the show, they, you know, while it really sucks to see Amy struggle, it's also like really important to show how, like the the more realistic side of things It, it, even if you have this beautiful moment, like you're still dealing through this yeah. and you're still working through it. It's not just gone yep. just because your girlies show up and go on the bus with you. Right. And one thing I, I think that I, another thing that I, as like, I was thinking from my own perspective and like, I know we talked about this being a show of high schoolers. So it'd be great to have when you're in high school mm-hmm. going through this stuff. I learned shit through this show as a 32 year old. Oh, thousand percent. Same, same. Like this show, this show taught me stuff or I guess there were things that I already had known but I didn't learn until I came out that this show would have been the first thing to teach me if I was watching this as a high schooler 
they do such there was a uh, an episode where like there was like a chlamydia outbreak in the school and everybody's like freaking out and everybody's like oh i'm never having sex again or like i'm you know all this stuff and the popular kids they go to um i think it was jean milburn like i think she's suggested or someone suggested no miss, it actually miss was sands miss sands who is yes it was miss the who is mvp, MVP. Oh. unsung hero oh, of this whole freaking show <laughs> i love her so so much and she said she she goes um because apparently or no this is what happened season three the new head teacher comes in and it's the girl from um uh from girls and she comes off first as like this chill like young down-to-earth teacher but then she just quickly turns into being like um abstinence is the only way uh basically the complete opposite of how all of these um these students are and i feel like she's just like i don't know she's such a good representative of like a lot of like conservative like these days like she's like a mirror to like a lot of conservative values and conservative um policies around sex and you know a lot of stuff around like stuff that's happening with queer people um these days too and so she's like the embodiment of all of that. And she's like, we don't talk about this anymore. We are. We at, should you know, start basically to basically crack down on what has been sort of termed sex school <laughs> by, by the, by the city. And so, you know, all of these like depraved students. And so she comes in and obviously as the headmistress, her, her, her mission is to crack down and obviously, you know, starts to be really strict and whatnot. Um, for any Harry Potter fans out there, she's like Miss Umbridge. She's, she's the, the umbridge. umbridge. She umbridges sure. the school. <laughs> yeah. And, and, so then Miss Sands, the the hero teacher that we like love, 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 she like basically whispers to these students after this like shocking um assembly. She's like, There's this there's like a sex clinic on so and so road. They'll teach you know, go to them. And so the popular kids, they go to they go to the sex clinic and they in the scenes, each each one has like their own turn, and it's like two two girls and a gay a gay man or gay boy. Mm-hmm. And in like specifically for me, the part that resonated most with me, obviously, because I am a gay boy, <laughs> um, was she's basically teaching the him about stuff like PrEP and HIV prevention and all of this stuff that I didn't know about when I came out. And I, someone on Tinder told me about PrEP. Like you take what? PrEP to, um, yeah, I didn't, someone on Tinder literally told me about it. I had never heard of it oh before. My gosh. And then I was like, I was like, wait, we have to take like a pill every day, like all of this stuff. And that's how I learned about it. No one ever taught it to me. No one, you know, there was no, there was nothing involved in this. Like the way that they did this scene, there's basically like this rotating shot. I remember, and and they would have like they'd focus on the doctor, and as would rotate around whoever was sitting at the doctor's table, it would switch. You know, every rotation or whatever. And in the scene, they were actually giving sex education advice, yep. and like they were t- literally teaching you within this show in a better way than I was ever taught. Myself. Yep. And I like, so I was like 32 and like, granted, like for the prep example, I, at this point, like I have, you know, I knew about, I've known about prep, but I did, I learned about it through Tinder and it's just, it blows my mind that this show was able to sneak in actual advice yep. into it without it seeming weird. It was just like seamless well, and it was effective. So think about it, right. For any of our experiences, but I, I think about the, the little closeted queer kid in Alabama that is going to a hyper-religious school. And I don't even know what sex education classes are, are look like these days. It's been a long time since high school, yeah. but I can only no imagine idea. that in a potentially very religious, pro-life 
conservative type of background. They're not talking about safe sex. They're not talking about prep. They're not talking about, you know, um, should you get pregnant and plan B? You know, it's all fear based and or just or just abstinence. (laughs) And and so to not have a lot of access to information, but to see a show like this again, that even those little nuggets of information where it's like, oh, there's a thing called prep or or Amy's conversation with Jean when she starts going to therapy about vaginas and vagina shapes. Yeah. And fun yeah. fact, there is a site that Jean recommends that she go to to look at different labias. Um, and it's real. And it's they made it. They made it. After the show. Uh, the show. There's actually a whole um, <laughs> education, sex education series that has been created because of this show. I'm not kidding. We the, – Mike. The show is – it's so – the way that the show actually teaches sex education better than like probably most sex education curriculums that are going on right now is like it blows my fucking so, mind. I know. This is what I was trying to tell you. It's brilliant. And it's packed – I know. You did. And I, I know. And like you were – you're like, this show is incredible. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's great. Like, I, I'm sure it's great. But I like didn't get it. Yeah. And I think it's not so much right. And it's not so much the show itself, the writing, the soundtrack. Yes. As a content, pieces of content is fantastic. I think what I was trying to get at, and maybe that's where, you know, what obviously clearly because of the, this conversation, you realize how impactful it is and sort of the ripple effect of by watching these characters go through these stories and the way these stories are told it, it resonates and, and it's actually, I'm learning or, you know, it's impacting me or it's resonating. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, there's so much more to this show than just being a good show. And I think that's, what's really special. And um, a couple other things are just like the teaching moments that, and they, they also address, I feel like a lot of like high school fears. Like there is the scene, there's the, the little plot line of Dax, who was like worried that he had a small, too small of a penis to like make a girl orgasm. And then Maeve just like drops bombshells of like knowledge of like why that's not the case, how you can do it other ways. Like they literally are taking high schoolers' fears or like their self conscious, you know, thoughts and they're addressing them and like teaching about them. And it's just so good. And there's even like they even teach. Anwar, how to like douche because he's never douched before and his boyfriend wants to have sex. And it's and I'm like, Raheem, holy Raheem shit. No one, no one's ever taught me how to even do that. Raheem, again, <laughs> so fucking brilliant. Actually, you are blowing my mind because now that I think about it, you're so right. They're sneaking of this show, they're sneaking they teaching moments into what is just a show. So, for example, for again, little cute little gay boys and, and people in general who uh, want to do anal eventually. They're showing that Raheem, the French student that that joins in season two, he writes it out on a blackboard. He actually literally they show they you how show to do you it. How to do it? Oh my god, the brilliance! I just it literally yeah, hit me. They teach. There's also the moment in the second season, just like that. Caught. <laughs> it's so good. Where <laughs> the the theater girl who's the lead, she's she's not. You know, it's it's Romeo and Juliet. It's a take on Romeo and Juliet. We'll call it the musical. Yeah, <laughs> which, <laughs> I love which their watch the they're, show. They're it's so great. Um, they're so good. But you know, because it's a romantic character, and the the other the other lead, the 
the plain Romeo is sort of the, you know, really popular, yeah, the popular head boy. And, uh, and there's all of this pressure where, you know, kids are like, oh, you know, you're, you shouldn't, do you like him? Have you whatever, whatever. And she's, you see that she's having this internal struggle. And so she goes to this, the gene, the school therapist, I guess at the time. And it's this really beautiful, very simply stated moment where she says, basically she tells her about asexuality and that, it is part of the sexual spectrum to be asexual. And basically, I, I can't – I'm going to have to say the abridged version, but ba- ba- watch it because it's this beautiful moment where she says, you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. It is part of and it's within the spectrum of sexuality to be asexual. So if that's the case, how can you be broken? And yep. I mean, come on. That's amazing. It's just – it's so I mean, good. It's just, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so, so good. good. I'm like, and like we haven't even talked about Adam's mom, Maureen, and like her getting out of this like loveless marriage and like getting like. There's, there's so, so many. many there's so, so and many then that, and it's like, I it's could not just, just high school, right? And I think that's also what makes it yeah, beautiful. Yeah, the teachers are learning. Every the single adults. character yeah. has an important. Depth, has some depth and has something that you learn about them that makes them human, that makes them real. Um, even Adam's father, um, and his, yeah. you know. Oh my God! You end the fact that you end up the fact that you end up liking Adam's father by the end is yeah. truly a testament to the show and how they can make you like your perspectives shift and like as you learn about somebody because he is the biggest asshole. He's the one that starts that mean girl scene that I was talking about earlier. Cause he's mad that his wife left him um, due to, you know, not really, ad- I guess, advice from, mm-hmm. from Jean. And by the end, by the last seat, by the end of the, uh, you're rooting three, for him. <laughs> yeah. Because of fucking Lucius Malfoy is the biggest dick in the entire show. And you're like, yes, Michael, go get it. Yeah. Like tell him yeah. off. And I, I think I, we've, you and I have talked about this like through many a voice note during my, during, you know, me watching it. But the fact that they can, they can give the most insignificant, not ins- insignificant in the sense of like screen time characters, their own plot line and growth, like little growth moment. And it's usually even the smaller ones are, the smallest ones are usually some of like the best teaching moments, I feel like too. And I think the example, and I just want to touch on it, you already brought it up, but I, I want to reiterate it because I thought it was so, this was like on par with like, it was so much shorter and smaller than the um, in terms of just like the length of the arc than Amy's was, but it was almost like just as powerful. And it was um, with Cal kind of mentoring the other non-binary student who you see in the opening of the episode that, um, that they were like bruised and they were like, they were binding with like gauze, I think, and probably going too tight. And you could just tell that they were injuring Mm -hmm. themselves. And then they, uh, they like, they weren't friends with Cal yet. But they were like looking for advice clearly because they were following Cal. And you don't know and you don't know what's going on. Yeah. What's happening? You don't know what's going on. Yeah, there. you don't know you don't know why they're following Cal. And then Cal's like, like, what is happening? Are you why are you following me? And then they they explain to Cal like what they're looking for. And then then they flash forward to a different scene and then all of a sudden it's like them in um one of their rooms. I'm not I'm not sure whose house they're at, but Cal shared the like the more mm-hmm. the binder an actual an actual binder w- as opposed to makeshift versions that could be really harmful. Again, something that someone watching <sighs> who might be binding themselves yes. every day with 
you know, whatever ACE bandages and really doing potentially, you know, hurting themselves. And Cal just simply explains like, no, this is a binder that you would wear and it's meant to, you know, to create pressure and like it, you know, it binds over time and this is so much safer. Like talk about this beautiful nugget of information. And they even sneak into this, into this moment with Cal explaining the binder to them. They even sneak in more advice, like actual advice of like, you're going to want to make it tighter or you're going to want to like put on a smaller one. Don't Don't do it. That is literally like, that is like professional advice that they, that is professional advice. I feel like that they're sneaking into this, into this moment through this teenage character and in the reaction on, again, I don't remember their name either, but this other student, the reaction on their face, like the relief, it was like a relieving moment for them to find this solution that is, that you can tell it changed their life is so powerful. And all of this happens between like two scenes. 30 seconds. But maybe, maybe a minute. Literally. Yeah. It is, it just is, it's crazy. (laughs) I don't understand. I don't get it. How do they do it? I don't know, but this is why I love it. So I'm glad you agree. Oh my God. I've never, I don't think I've ever talked this passionately about anything in my entire life. I mean, life. yeah, agree. There are other shows oh. and I, I I made notes of the ones that I think were super important for me and pivotal in my story, which we'll get to eventually, yeah. but whatever. Oh, yeah. I'm not yeah, we worried. Will, we will, I promise. But, but you know, um, I, I have, yeah, other shows, you know, Queer as Folk or you know, Ellen or... Oh, you told me about Will, he, Yeah, I have I a lot to say about Queer as Folk. So. Um, or or uh, Will and Grace, but... Uh, and there's some there's some newer ones. Again, Shit's Creek I mentioned, um, but there is something about this one. And, and I think we're, you know, I didn't even realize it. We're actually like, I'm learning, having realizations as we're talking about it is that and I want to go back now and read articles about the writers and and really understand where what their intentions were because it's exactly that the intentionality in the writing and some of these moments it is called sex education and it's a, it's 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 hidden as a TV show it is but it is a sex education class for kids and thank God it exists you know like holy shit. This is like the writers taking like a spoon of like baby food and like doing a choo-choo train into our mouth to like distract us from the fact that they're actually giving us yeah, information. But also it's like a total – through a medium. It's a total like, a like almost like a personal vendetta of, yeah, you you know, you think you're going to teach us wrong or, you know, may, you may have taught us terribly in sex education. I'm going to, I'm going to write these wrongs and I'm going to write this show and show how it should be done. And they do it. Yeah. And they do it. Oh, my God. I like – I – I could talk way more, but I definitely want to segue <laughs> into your story so we can shine the spotlight on you. And Aisha, I just realized I am absolutely the worst podcast host in the entire world because I never even asked you to introduce yourself yet, which is usually the first thing I do. I mean, <laughs> sex so, education was really important. Yeah. I mean, it, obviously, like we both have been waiting for this moment <laughs> for a long time. So I think we got excited and dove right into it. Maybe had a little technical difficulties too. So like there was a lot... A lot, a lot of emotions being, you know, in the, in the room. So um, now that we have, you know, spoken for 45 minutes about, about sex a TV show, <laughs> about a TV show, um, can you please introduce yourself to I can. Um, 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If this week's episode resonated with you, please take a second to subscribe and leave a review. You can find Reaching Out with Michael Constable on Instagram and Twitter at Reaching Out Pod, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Michael Wings It. Bye bye, see you!